0: Right. Well, good morning again. At the beginning of this series, uh, if we've been in this series for quite some time. Uh, if you are kind of new to the discussion, we've been going through our statement of faith. Uh, we are part of the Krishna Missionary Alliance, and so we have an official statement of faith, what we say we believe. Uh, and if you are, uh, I would say, a regular attender or a member here, um, kind of just by being here, you're professing, this is what I believe. This, These are the Tenants of my faith as well, because I'm under this teaching, under this authority. And so uh, I thought, well, it would probably be wise if we actually knew what our statement of faith said. Uh, I have, in my life, I've been to a handful of different churches. Uh, and for me, one of the first things I would do is go on their website, look at their statement of faith. That's the first thing I want to know. What do they believe? What are the core principles of what they believe? At least profess to believe. And then, for me, showing up and saying, okay... Now, what do they believe? By the way they live, by the way they operate, by the way they conduct a service, a, an outreach, a, a, a luncheon after service. like what, what does that say they believe? And so I, I hope for you this has been enlightening. I hope uh, you've learned some as we've gone through this series. Uh, but if you remember all the way back to the beginning, at the beginning of this series, we discussed the definition of a foundation. Uh, There were a couple definitions, but what we kind of landed on was an underlying basis or principle. Uh, That's what foundations uh, this series is about. It's about underlying basis or principles of our lives. Uh, The statement of faith for us being that underlying basis and principle. As we close out the series, my big question for us is do the concepts we discussed serve as the underlying basis or principle for every aspect of our life? That's, to me, the question. As we uh, step out of this series, as we go into our next one, as we reflect back on what we've talked about or what we've learned through this series, do the concepts that we've discussed serve as the underlying basis and principle for every aspect of our lives? Or, where I think a lot of Christians fall, do we just agree with them and then keep them in their nice little box we call our spirituality. We say, when it comes to spiritual matters, yes, those things are true. When it comes to my family, when it comes to my job, when it comes to my kingdom, I don't really have time for that. That's not where that belongs. That stays on Sunday in that little box I call my spirituality. If these concepts serve as our foundation, everything in our life should be built on them. Everything should be built on that foundation. That's what a foundation is. Uh, I'm not a contractor. I know very little about building anything, but I'm pretty confident if you just tried to build something in the middle of your yard without any kind of foundation, it's probably not going to last very long. Uh, I understand at least the principles of having something that it needs to sit on that is firm, that doesn't move. Uh, If you've ever been to my house, you'll notice uh, when you go to step up uh, onto our porch, It's a pretty large step. Uh, I get concerned for people when they're leaving, especially because it's further down than you expect, and that's because my uh, cement outside of there has dropped about a good six or eight inches, Uh, and so I've actually been looking into getting that filled in and and fixed, but uh, that has just been kind of a constant reminder for me as I walked in out of my house, like, man, that sidewalk is not built on a foundation, and the house hasn't moved, but the things around it have. They've shifted, they've moved, out, and they've, they've made it more difficult to get into my house. Uh, and I think that some of us have done similar things. We've attached things to our, our home, our life, but because they don't have the foundation in Christ, we wonder, why are they shifting? Why, why did they move? Why aren't, why aren't they secure? Why, why am I experiencing these problems? Thinking of a foundation for a house now, Um, using the analogy of a foundation in a house, what is something they must do before they can begin the foundation? They have to remove a lot of what was there to make room for the foundation. Uh, The foundation needs uh, something, so uh, whether you have a basement or not, they're gonna dig up some area, they're gonna flatten it out, they're gonna level it. There's a lot of work that goes in to a foundation, but one of the big parts of it is the removal process. So a question I have for us is as we we have journeyed through this series, what did God need to remove to prepare the foundation? See, the Bible tells us in Colossians 3.5, Put to death, therefore, what is earthly in you, sexual immorality, impurity, passion, evil desire, and covetousness, which is idolatry. There's a putting to death part of our walk with Jesus that uh, if you have arrived, uh, you could. I'll give you my mic, you can preach because you're definitely more qualified than me. Like if you've gotten to a place where nothing ever needs put to death anymore, then by all means, you should be up here because uh, I, I haven't, I've definitely not gotten to that place. Uh, I don't think I make it a, a full day without finding something that needs to be put to death. And, and so we, we walk through this life and, and we can hear sermons, we can hear teaching and we can walk away from it without that that burden that something needs to die, something needs to go, some excavating needs done in our life. See, it doesn't matter how good the foundation is, and Christ is the best foundation. If you just try to build it on what is currently there, it's going to fail. It doesn't matter how good you build it. It doesn't matter how firm it is. I, I, I remember when I lived in Morgantown, I, I literally know nothing about houses. Uh, and someone was uh, in, in under the stairs or something, they, they saw the, the foundation. And I don't, now I don't even remember what it was called. But apparently it was the best kind of foundation you can have in a house. Uh, it was some type of extra things that were around the foundation. I know nothing. I'm not even gonna bother trying. But uh, it was a great foundation. But if you just set that on the ground it's not going to last long. There needs to be work that prepares the ground, that prepares everything for that foundation. Uh, There has to be a significant amount of excavating, especially if there's a lot of problems. If there's a lot of things going on, then you're gonna need extra stuff to put in there to level it, to make sure things don't shift around. Uh, Around here and in Morgantown, I I was kind of surprised when I was looking into like home insurances, like, oh yeah, you gotta find out if there are, are mines, open mines under your home. And I'm like, hold on, What? Like, I'm not, I'm not okay with that. If there is, I'm moving. I'm not just getting extra insurance. Like, I'm out of here. Uh, and in, I, I know in Morgantown, I don't think in our current house there's an open mind under us, but in Morgantown, there are like two open minds under us. Uh, I'm like, well, that, that's rough. But especially in a place where it's known for shifting and things are, are known for moving, uh, you need extra work. Any of us were perfectly prepared for the foundation of Christ when he met us? No work needed done. Nothing needed removed. Everything was already perfectly set. No, I don't think so. We all needed work. And here's the problem, though. We continue to need that work. We continue to need help. Uh, Have you ever been in a house where the foundation was crumbling in, where it was like falling apart? Things were coming in. Water had either seeped in or something. I've been, I've seen that happen. And the amount of work it takes to fix something like that, it's a lot of work. And that, to me, is kind of the work that we're involved in as being a Christian, as we walk with Jesus, is that he, he's constantly doing work. He's constantly fixing problems that we cause through our lack of understanding, our, our sin gets in the way, and we cause these problems. There has to be excavating. If we're not able to identify the things that the Lord is removing from our lives as he develops us, we have to ask, Are we being doers of the Word or just hearers? We said at the beginning of this series that the goal was not to just provide information. That's not what this series was about. If all we did was learn facts during this series, it was a waste of your time. I want to make that clear. If all you did was gain more knowledge, if all you did was understand theology better, we wasted your time. Because that's not going to do anything. Understanding theology better, getting more information, understanding, well, now I know what post and pre that doesn't do anything for us. If that's all we did was gain information. My hope and prayer for all of us is that we would be doers of the word, not hearers only. In James chapter 1, Verses 22 to 24, it says, But be doers of the word and not hearers only, deceiving yourselves. For if anyone is a hearer of the word and not a doer, he is like a man who looks intently at his natural face in a mirror. For he looks at himself and goes away and at once forgets, uh, forgets what he was like. I don't know about you, but I look at, around at our culture, I look around at Christianity as a whole, and I'm like, man, we're hearers of the word. We're not so hot at the doer part. When we look at the problems that, that we deal with, when we look at the anxiety that we deal with, when we look at the sin problems, the, 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 it's, it's like I feel like a, a single year hasn't gone by that some prominent leader hasn't fallen in the faith and, and committed this heinous sin and, and, and run off with somebody and done all these things it's like, well, hold on. How, if we're being doers of the word, if we're constantly peering into God's word, if we're reading it, and if, if the Holy Spirit is speaking to us and excavating and pulling this junk out of us, how do we still have all this stuff? How do we have churches full of immature Christians who just don't know how to genuinely walk with Jesus? It's because we just like to hear about Jesus. And, and don't get me wrong, I do love the encouragements. I love when, when, when God is doing something, especially when a sermon hits your heart and, and, you, and I, I do appreciate that when you say, hey, thanks, Pastor, for that sermon. But if that's all it does is like, man, that was a good sermon, great, awesome. Walk out and we just continue to live our life the way we were before we came. And one of the prayers I pray over us, you know, the elders, we gather for prayer a lot of Sunday mornings and one of my prayers, pretty frequent prayers, is that we would leave different than we came. That change would occur. See, if information, if we leave the same as we came, then all we did was gain information. But if we leave different, if it affects us in a way that says, I'm going to make change now. I'm going to change the way I'm living. I'm going to draw. Even if it's a baby step toward Jesus, it's a step toward him. And that's what we, every time we hear a teaching, every time that we that we look into the word of God, my hope is that we leave different that it changes us, it affects us in some way. I think too often we hear a teaching from the Word, whether it's a sermon or somebody on TV or a podcast or whatever, and we can think, that's a really good principle. I'm going to add that to what I'm doing. We forget sometimes that we need to subtract first. Sometimes before God can add something to us, before the Holy Spirit can add a character trait, before he can add a fruit of the Spirit, we need to drop the fruit of Bruce, the fruit of whatever your name is. We need to lose that in ourselves so that it makes place for the fruit of the Spirit, for what God wants to do. And instead we just keep trying to add on and say like, well, these are good principles, this is good teaching, I'll just keep adding this to what I'm doing. And we don't stop to think, okay, What are you doing, Lord? What needs to go? What needs to die? See, for true change and growth, repentance is the first step many, many times. Releasing what was into the hands of Jesus and turning from it. I feel there's, I could probably put my hand on about five big, big things that I feel like we've lost as the church And I think repentance is up there as one of the things that we've forgotten how to do. We don't do it well. We do it privately. We do it quietly. We do it with all of our pride still intact. And that's not what repentance is many times. Repentance sometimes is ugly, messy, and it hurts. But man, is it good to get back to the Lord and leave things at His feet? You know, it doesn't even always have to be a big sin issue. I think sometimes we have to think, well, oh, to repent, it has to be this big deal. Maybe what you need to repent of and turn from is accepting good when God has prepared for you his best. I know we talked a little bit about that in this series, and, and, and I'm just, I believe strongly that resonated with some of you, that you've settled for good, and you know that you have. It was like, man, to, to get God's best for my life, I'm gonna have to, things are gonna need to die. I'm gonna need to make sacrifices I really don't want to. I'm gonna need to make changes in my life that I don't know what's gonna happen if I make these changes. I, I don't know, uh, my security, my, my security blanket will be gone and I'm not really ready to take that step. And, and we know that God's best is on the other side of this decision, but we just sit and we're like, but it's good enough. My life is good enough. Maybe you've settled and, start, and sought to compartmentalize your life. Maybe you realize that your life isn't built on the foundation of Christ. Only the shed out back where you keep your spirituality so it doesn't affect or interfere with your kingdom too much. That has its foundation in Christ. Your Sunday mornings, man, they are, they are founded on Jesus. And you come in and you love Jesus. Amen, brother. You'll sing the songs. Hands are raised. And then you go out and you shut that shed door because you don't want that to interfere with your work, your family, everything else you got going on in your life. My guess is that many of us here, like myself, we found that there are things which need to be removed in order for our whole life to have its foundation in Christ. We can't just add to what was. You resonate with this. You resonate with, man, things need to go. I don't even know how to put words to it, but there's, some, there's stuff in my life. There are things which I know are getting in the way of my relationship with Jesus, and I'm just not sure where to go. I just don't know how to engage this excavating process. I'd like to highly, highly recommend a book to you. It's called Soul Care by Rob Reimer. And if you want to learn how to unpack some stuff and get rid of some faulty foundational principles some things that have affected you and continue to eat away at the foundation of Christ in your life it's a fantastic book and i would recommend not just reading it but grab somebody after church and be like hey would would you read this with me are you willing to go through this let's read it together let's meet once a week every other week once a month whatever it looks like for you and we're going to do all the exercises we're going to do all the work we're not going to skip a single thing we're going to do this man, you will go through an excavating process in your life which is going to be awesome because Christ will fill every, everything that you pull out. Christ is going to fill more with himself. And that there's nothing like that. Yeah, it's going to hurt. Sometimes it really stinks. And it's tough. But it is always worth it. Unlike the foundation of a house, this isn't an all-at-once project. The hope—I don't know about you. I've never had a house built. I've—I've I've, people that have had homes built, but I'm pretty sure the hope is not—you uh, don't hire somebody to come in and build a foundation, thinking, "Well, in five years we'll dig it up, we'll do it again." Uh, that's not what I want. I don't want that thing to last for the next two hundred years. I want that house to be firm, to to not have to need any work in the foundation uh, for a long time because I plan to build my entire house on top of it, and everything uh, goes on that. For a house, that's a a one-time deal. But for Christians, it is a lifetime, ongoing process as we remove the faulty parts of our foundation, the things that we think are Jesus. I I encounter so often people who... who, uh, they have these wrong beliefs. You know, we create these, uh, this idea of God in our heads and we get really mad at him when he doesn't live up to what we have determined he should do or the way that he should act or, or the things that he should have done. We can struggle with that. That's a faulty foundational principle. So we ask the Holy Spirit to do more excavating. Any, any time that I come to a place where I'm like, Lord, I'm confused. I'm a little mad at you and I'm not sure what to do, where to go from here. It, it's a clear sign. God hasn't changed. He, he's still good, and he's still all-powerful, and he's still all-loving, and so there's something wrong in me that I need, to, I need some work on this. So, Holy Spirit, will you do some excavating? What needs to die in order for us to move forward? Romans 12, 2 says, do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewal of your mind, that by testing you may discern what is the will of God, what is good and acceptable and perfect this this transformative work if you 've been a believer long enough, you know is man, is it a process it 's like you get to this place where you 're like, man I feel like i 'm doing real good, and then you go through these seasons where you 're like i am am I even saved? Do I even know jesus i mean i I, I would easily confess to you i probably doubt my salvation more than a pastor should sometimes (laughs) i i deal with my sin i i run into these problems and i'm like man do i even know jesus like what is wrong with me why do i keep running into this wall because we have this sometimes wrong idea that man if we if we were true christians everything would just go so well right we'd never sin we'd you know we would never be faced with like the ugly parts of ourself but it's just not true so often we run into those. And I was just having this conversation with someone. I said, for me, going back to Romans and, and, and understanding when Paul says, I don't do what I want to do and I, and I do what I don't want to do. And I know I've talked about this. I've never heard like good, good sermons on this exact t- topic. But the thing that always gets me is Paul, he's talking about what he wants to do. The fact there is this desire to honor God. That's the mark of a believer. Not I want to fit in with this group of people, not I don't want to get caught, not I don't want problems in my life, but I genuinely want to do what God wants. That comes from a a regenerated heart. That comes from a life. And so when you have this battle, the enemy is always so quick to be like, oh, you dirty, rotten sinner. If you were a true Christian, you wouldn't be struggling with this. Very often I'll, be, I'll remind him, man, the fact that this war is being waged is proof that I am his. Amen. The fact that we're having this problem and this battle is, is here tells me I am his because I want more than anything I want to honor him. And that's why I'm so bothered right now. It's because I'm living a life or I'm dealing with a problem that's not honoring to him. Part of what we talked about in this series was the sanctifying work of the Holy Spirit. 1 Thessalonians 5, 23 and 24 says, now may the God of peace himself sanctify you completely and may your whole spirit and soul and body be kept blameless at the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. He who calls you is faithful. He will surely do it. My hope is that Nobody that's been with us through this series has gotten the entire way through it and thought, well, I guess my foundation work is done. Uh, It's perfect. Everything is complete. I can now move on to different things in my life. When we stop realizing the areas uh, uh, that need growth in our life, we stop moving toward Jesus. When we get to a place where we think, I'm good, the enemy wins. Unless you're standing before Jesus... And you're already in heaven, then there's still work to do. There are still things which need done. If our foundation, here's a reality if our foundation was completely in Christ, without fault, without error, we wouldn't sin. That's a reality. If everything about our foundation, if everything was built on the perfect foundation of Christ, then nothing built on top of it would be, there would be no error. And what was built on it every sin can be traced back to a faulty foundational principle a faulty view of who god is how he operates or his relationship to us one of the many lies of satan in our lives is that when we sin he convinces us "Ah, it's just a one-time thing it really doesn't need to be addressed it's not that big a deal It was, you know, you you just blew it in this one specific isolated incident. No need to worry about it. No need to get concerned about it. Instead of acknowledging that every sin is a symptom of an underlying heart issue, every sin has, you can trace back to some faulty way that we view God the way we view ourselves, the way we view God, or his relationship to us. There's something wrong with the way we see that or else we wouldn't sin. Because we're not slaves to sin. We don't have to sin. We choose to, and that always can be traced back to something that's wrong with the foundation we have in Christ. See, our sin should bother us. Every single sin needs to be brought before the cross, confessed, and left there. Romans twelve nine. It says, let love be genuine, abhor what is evil, hold fast to what is good. I, if you have your own copy of God's Word, uh, I, I don't know what your, your header says right over this verse, but when you're reading it in the English uh, Standard Version, uh, the, the topic or the, the paragraph head for, the, for that section says, marks of the true Christian. For someone in relationship with Jesus, sin should bother us there are too many believers people who confess to believe who are just steeped in sin and they think that's not a big deal jesus still loves me grace is great it's i'm okay it's not a big deal man i i just don't see how you have can have a relationship with jesus and just think that's ah, not that big of a deal no worries not a problem sin should bother us we should abhor what is evil. Do you know what the word abhor means? It means to regard with disgust and hatred. Man, if, I don't know about you, but when I think back to my life before Christ, when I think back to some of the things I've done since I've known Christ, I look at it with disgust and hatred. Some of my sin, it's just so horrid. It's like, wow. Could I have done that? Why was I a part of that? I mean, it's one thing before we know Christ, but then after we know him, when we're no longer slaves to sin, but we choose that. Man, if, you don't, if you've never felt that disgust, that hatred toward your sin, that should concern you, should bother you. See, it's not the Holy Spirit who keeps trying to convince you that your faulty foundation isn't that big of a deal. It's not the Holy Spirit who's trying to convince you that evil show that you're watching is okay it's not the holy spirit who's trying to convince you that your lack of connection to the family of god isn't a big deal that's satan trying to keep you from abhorring your sin giving you excuse after excuse after excuse to excuse it and then on that dark day he'll be the first one to point his finger at you and accuse you of being a terrible person and a horrible christian and shame on you that's him he does that he leads us along this path, and is the first one to point out the error of, uh, of the path we've been on. The Holy Spirit is calling you to the cross, calling you to confession. Worship team is going to come back up now. We're going to have a time of repentance and confession. Because I, I told you from the get-go in this series, that this to me, I, th- I think was a huge series because the principles we talked about. But if we don't do anything with it, it's a waste of our time. God needs to get the glory. Having more information in our head, understanding theological principles doesn't bring Jesus to a lost world. But living as if everything we've talked about is true, that will change the world. And even just one person stepping into that and saying, all right, I'm gonna surrender myself to this stuff. So we're going to have a time of repentance and confession. We're going to follow the instructions of Scripture. James 5.16 says, Therefore, confess your sins to one another and pray for one another, that you may be healed. The prayer of a righteous person has great power as it is working. It might not be physical healing that you're seeking today. That might not be exactly what we're dealing with, but maybe emotional, mental, or spiritual healing due to a faulty foundation. We're going to read through our statement of faith one more time before the the worship team sings. I want to do that to give the Holy Spirit an opportunity to highlight something. As we read through that, if the Holy Spirit makes something jump out to you and says, this, this is not being lived out in your life. This is where I want to do some excavating. And then we're going to sing that last song that we sang before the sermon, Build My Life. And my hope is that we'll confess any of our faulty foundations before the Lord. So one more time let's read through this and then we're going to sing. There is one God who is infinitely perfect, existing eternally in three persons, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Jesus Christ is the true God and the true man. He was conceived by the Holy Spirit and born of the Virgin Mary. He died upon the cross, the just for the unjust, as a substitutionary sacrifice, and all who believe in him are justified on the ground of his shed blood. He arose from the dead according to the Scriptures. He is now at the right hand of majesty on high as our great high priest. He will come again to establish his kingdom, righteousness, and peace. The Holy Spirit is a divine person sent to indwell, guide, teach, empower the believer, and convince the world of sin, of righteousness, and of judgment. The Old and New Testaments inerrant as originally given were verbally inspired by God and are a complete revelation of his will for the salvation of men. They constitute the divine and only rule of Christian faith and practice. Man was originally created in the image and likeness of God. He fell through disobedience, incurring thereby both physical and spiritual death. All men are born with a sinful nature, are separated from the life of God, and can be saved only through the atoning work of the Lord Jesus Christ. The portion of the unrepentant and unbelieving is existence forever in conscious torment and that of the believer in everlasting joy and bliss. Salvation has been provided through Jesus Christ for all men, and those who repent and believe in him are born again of the Holy Spirit, receive the gift of eternal life, and become the children of God. It is the will of God that each believer should be filled with the Holy Spirit and be sanctified holy, being separated from sin in the world and fully dedicated to the will of God, thereby receiving power for holy living and effective service. This is both a crisis and a progressive experience wrought in the life of the believer subsequent to conversion. Provision is made in the redemptive work of the Lord Jesus Christ for the healing of the mortal body. Prayer for the sick and anointing with oil are taught in the Scriptures and are privileges for the church in this present age. The church consists of all those who believe on the Lord Jesus Christ, are redeemed through His blood, and are born again of the Holy Spirit. Christ is the head of the body of the church, which has been commissioned by Him to go into all the world as a witness preaching the gospel to all nations. The local church is a body of believers in Christ who are joined together for the worship of God, for edification through the Word of God, For prayer, fellowship, the proclamation of the gospel, and and observance of the ordinances of baptism and the Lord's Supper. There shall be a bodily resurrection of the just and the unjust. For the former, a resurrection unto life. For the latter, a resurrection unto judgment. The second coming of the Lord Jesus Christ is imminent and will be personal, visible, and premillennial. This is the believer's blessed hope and is a vital truth, which is an incentive to holy living and faithful service. As the worship team plays, I encourage you to stand and just confess to the Lord the areas where some excavating needs done. If you'd like to be prayed over, I encourage you to step out into the aisle. If you see someone step out into the aisle and you're near them, two, three, four people, whatever, gather around them, pray. If you feel the need, if you feel the Holy Spirit pushing on you and pressing upon you that it's not just God you need to confess to, but you need to confess to a brother or sister, go to somebody. This is a family. I hope you have people here that you're connected to. Go to them. Confess some faulty principle. Confess, man, I just just don't believe God is who he says he is, and I don't know what to do with that. I keep hiding it. I act like it's all good. I keep coming into church and putting my hand up during worship songs, but I don't believe any of it. I don't know what to do with this. Whatever it is, we can handle it. (laughs) We're a family. We'll, We'll walk through it together. Just don't keep operating on that same faulty principle and trying to act like it's all good so if you'd like to be prayed over step out into the the aisles and those of you around them you don't have to be an elder you don't have to be a deaconess you don't have to be a member here put your hand on someone and pray over them the spirit of God lives inside of you you have just as much right to pray over them as anybody else here with whatever title they have if you can't step out into the aisle but you'd like some prayer just raise your hand If you see some hands raised, go on over, pray over them. Let's commit as we sing this song to build our lives on Christ our foundation. Let's sing. love man. I I just look around and I see so many lives that are just so wrecked so lost and I don't mean outside the church I mean inside and our foundations they're just not built on him they're built on our idea of him they're built on what we want him to be who we want him to act like and the things we wanted him to do i know the lord is doing things i know the holy spirit is at work here i know there are some some of us we didn't step out but we know in our heart we're in desperate need of some intervention from god we don't want to admit it i don't know some of us we've just been maybe we've been here too long we're too worried about what people will think if we confess and be like man i don't know what i'm doing i've I've been in that dark night of the soul. I haven't heard God's voice and I can't even tell the last time it was for me. I haven't felt passion for him in ages and I don't know what to do with it. I'm so lost. And I would love to pray with you if that's you. Whether you come privately or publicly, that's not what's important. But you would take that step. You would confess that brokenness before him and man, he will meet you there. Part of that song, let me find it. There it is. Show me who you are and fill me with your heart. And that's a prayer right there for this week. If you're struggling, if there's something, to just ask God, show me who you are. That's an open-ended prayer. I like that one because it it doesn't define what it has to look like. It doesn't tell him, this is what I want. It just says, show me who you are. In some way, some fashion, some, some work, through a person, through an event, through a circumstance, show me who you are and fill me with your heart. But notice what happens immediately in this sign. I love this. And lead me in your love to those around me. Man, when you've been rescued by him, you can't wait to tell other people about it. When you've experienced that work, when he's done what he's gonna do in our hearts, we can't wait to tell our neighbors, to tell our family, to tell other people. We said at the beginning of this series, the goal was not just to provide information. All we did was learn facts during this series. is was a waste of our time. My hope and prayer for us, one more time, would that we would be doers of the word, not hearers only. So for one last time, I'm gonna read James chapter one, verses 22 to 25. But be doers of the word and not hearers only, deceiving yourselves. For if anyone is a hearer of the word and not a doer, He is like a man who looks intently at his natural face in a mirror for he looks at himself and goes away and at once forgets what he was like. But the one who looks into the perfect law, the law of liberty and perseveres, being no hearer who forgets, but a doer who acts, he will be blessed in his doing. I pray that you are blessed in your doing. As you leave this place, I pray you leave changed. From the day one, sermon one of foundations to now, I pray that you have been changed. I have been, and I hope you have been too. Let me close with a prayer of blessing through Scripture. Let's pray. In Matthew twenty four twenty seven, it says, Everyone then who hears these words of mine and does them will be like a wise man who built his house on the rock. every person here, every person watching, God, their foundation would be on the rock. Lord, there are so many people who confess to know you, who when the storms came, when the floods came, when the rain fell and the winds blew and beat on their house, it fell because it was built on the foundation of who they wanted you to be or or who a false teacher told them you were or who a faulty church told them you were. God, I pray that we would do some excavating. We would remove those things in our heart and our life, which are not you. They look like you. They They might really be a good imitation, but they're not you. Lord, would you pull those things out? Holy Spirit, would you dig into us? Pull out those faulty foundational principles, Lord, and replace it with you. Replace it with your truth. And Lord, I just want to acknowledge that can't happen if we're not in community, if we're not in your word. Then it's not going to happen. There will be nothing to replace it with. So, Lord, I pray you would take us on a journey, that you would heal the broken places of our heart, you would bring order to the chaos that is in some of our hearts and our minds, even now, we're so afraid to confess it because we just don't know what will happen. Lord, I pray for a spirit of repentance to fall over us, that we would repent of those things which are not of you and which need your hand and need your touch. God, would, would we, moving forward, have a life built on a foundation that is you, that is your love, that is your word. And would it change everything about the way we live? In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. 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 Thank you so much, everyone, for your interaction through this series and for what God's done. We're going to take about five minutes. And then we'll start our congregational meeting. Again, you don't have to be a member to stay. If you want to stick around, you're welcome to. Only members can vote, but you're welcome to stick around for our congregational meeting. We'll make it short and sweet and get out of here soon. God bless you all.